Good morning, church. That was good. We're getting better. That was only once. Good morning, church. Here's my shameless sign. So I'm uh, going to be using that when I remember. Sometimes when I preach, I forget about shameless signs. So 10 o'clock next week, be here or be nowhere, 9 o'clock for our classes. And thank you for reading. Cindy, this is one of those weeks where... Um, if you've ever read the verses that were just read, we'll put them up there in a minute, Matthew 5, 17, most of us have like, what? Like certain parts of the Bible we get, be kind, forgive, worship the Lord, but then when Jesus says, I'll tell you what, if you teach people not to observe the law, and if you don't exceed what the law required and the Pharisees do, you will not see heaven most of us go, I read it once, I covered it, I'm not entering into that arena again, because that's tough. And we want to find out what that means, because as we remember, I'll pray in a minute, because this is kind of a weighty passage, we've learned about these beatitudes, right? These announcements of kingdom folk. If you mourn, and you're a part of the kingdom, your mourning will be comforted. If you're a peacemaker and you're part of my kingdom, you're doing the Lord's will and you will see God. So those are announcements. They're not promises. They're not commandments. And then Pastor Bray a couple weeks ago talked about salt and light. And hear this, Matthew 5, 17 through 20 is the transition from the intro to the sermon to the meat. So it's important, right? Let me pray And we'll launch in. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We'll have it on the screen. And we'll try and figure out what is this God-man saying because it matters. It matters for us. Let me pray. Father, help me. Help us see Jesus. Speak powerfully through his words and bring heart change and encouragement and comfort and hope. And may we see his glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Men. Again, I'm going to read it so we see it. Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think, Jesus says, he's transitioning. He's given his cute story, as we do in sermons now. And now he's going to get to the body, but this is a transitional statement. Don't think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Now, I want you to hear this. He just didn't say law. He said the prophet. That's important. We'll talk about that. I have not come to abolish them, again, plural, but fulfill them. Next verse. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, nothing, not a single smidgen of the law and the prophets will pass until they all are accomplished. The whole purpose of it is accomplished. Next verse. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these, I'm sorry, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, in this verse, was pointing out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and in grace, talking to modern-day Western religion. Churches in America, in the West, all over the world. Because this is usually what happens if we don't sit down, read the words of Jesus, humble ourselves and pray and say, Lord, what do your words really mean? 
we usually relax. Why? Let's be honest. In Western America, we like to what? Relax with everything. We have whole billion-dollar companies right here in the valley making tons of money based on our what? Starts with the C, comfort, right? <laughs> That's okay. But the point is, as a culture, we like to put our feet up, take our shoes off, grab a cold beverage of your choice, we'll say it that way, click on something and be like, I'm good. It's not just a cultural thing, but that's the human direction most hearts want to go. And it comes to churches, it comes to religion, and we can make a mess of who Jesus is. Next verse, verse, eight, verse 20. For I tell you, and this is the hard part, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I used to believe this meant, this verse meant this. I'm recovering from this. I've taught this passage probably poorly. I'm not trying to do that now, but I'm trying to grow and learn and be more like Jesus and be formed by him. I used to think as long as I confess all my unrighteousness and almost whip myself every day with a metaphoric whip and say, I'm a worm, I'm no good, I need Christ, I need Christ, I won't enter heaven. That's not what that means. It didn't mean it back then, it doesn't mean it now. So the question now that you're confused is, because some of you have probably heard that, right? What does it mean? <laughs> what is Jesus saying I'm going to get real technical for two minutes. Timmy, after two minutes, sound a gong, okay? I've got 120 seconds. There are forensic and scientific almost aspects to the gospel. Payment needed to be made for your sin and my sin. It had to happen. God put forth the payment in Jesus, and whoever receive and believe him, his fortune, his goodness is now given to those, the guilty, me and you. That's a part of the gospel Hear me, church, I went through about a seven or eight year season, that was all I believed about the gospel. I made it a bigger truth than perhaps it is, that's almost blasphemous, but not really, and I would insert that thinking into scriptures like this, don't do it. We gotta remember, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, not the seminary lecture on the Mount to PhD students. There are parts of the scriptures which teach what I just taught, the forensic aspect of the gospel. We can get there. It's not going to happen today because we're looking at Matthew chapter what? Five. And Jesus is laying forth the greatest sermon ever preached by the true word of God. So when we see in verse 17, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them, the easy out is to say... Jesus paid it all, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. That's not what he's teaching here. It goes far deeper. Now hear me, that is a part of the gospel. It's found in places like Romans and Ephesians and Galatians. It's very Pauline. Paul thought that way and he gave it to us for a reason. But today, let's ask God to wipe some of that because we've all grown up in that and try and see what Jesus is seeing, saying, I should say. 
This is tough because this kind of wrestles with a lot of our Christian upbringing if we've grown up. Hard verses here are 17 and 19. Let's go to verse 19. We saw it for a minute. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least. Wait, pastor, I thought salvation was by grace. Yeah, it is. And it's a free gift. Yeah, it is. But whenever we talk about salvation and the whole picture of it, we usually just tip the iceberg. Let's look at what Jesus is saying. Don't think that the teachings of Christ, the Bible, is licensed for you to pray a prayer and get right with Jesus and do whatever you want. And these verses talk about that. Jesus in coming and fulfilling the law and the prophets literally means this. I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but in this specific passage he says, I came to fulfill what they were always intended to be. What were they always intended to be? Anybody know Micah chapter 6, verse 8? Can we put it up there, guys? I'll give them a few seconds. This was the intention of the whole Bible, the Old Testament for sure, but this is the intention. Micah 6, verse 8. It will probably sound strangely familiar. God has told us from the beginning. He's told everyone from the beginning what is good and what the Lord requires, which is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. That was the intent of the law and the prophets the whole time. One of the side intents of the law was to point to you and me, wow, I need help. I need lots of help. I need Savior. But the intent from the garden was for God and his grace to develop a people who would love him and treat their neighbor kindly. How many of you have rotten neighbors? Don't lie in church. No, God, I say, oh. How many of you know we should be better neighbors? Everyone raise your hand. The, the goal of the law and the prophets was to worship God rightly. There's ways to worship God rightly in wrong ways, good ways. And then to see everyone. We'll get here in the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's crazy. Jesus calls everyone neighbor in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> That's what he does. And to treat them justly and kindly. So that was the goal. Part of getting to the goal was some of the scientific and more legal aspects of us being forgiven. That's not here today, but the goal was love God, walk humbly with him, worship him, and have a just and peaceful society. That was the primary reason in the giving of the law, if we look biblically, I'm struggling with this because I was believing kind of certain things for a while, and I'm trying to walk with this. Give me grace. So Jesus talks about righteousness surpassing the Pharisees. This is an easy one if you think. In Jesus fulfilling the law, did he relax the old covenant standard or heighten it? Way up. And that's what he's talking about, righteousness. It's given righteousness, it's given grace. At the end, I'll get to the Holy Spirit and his part. But the point is, in the Old Testament, it said, do not murder, but in me fulfilling the law, I said, don't even be angry. <laughs> oh, 
Do not commit adultery. We're going to be there on Father's Day. Come join us, fathers. Oh, that's a good one, the way the calendar worked out. But the point is there's hope in that. And Jesus says the standard here was adultery. The standard I'm fulfilling is what? Don't even look that way. So this, he begins to intensify. And what is Jesus doing? We've heard it before. He is critiquing idolatry, immorality, and injustice. I wish one of the candidates, if there's only two or three left, would critique immorality, idolatry, and injustice. No matter what we believe, we would be a better nation. And we can all say, amen. So Jesus in this transitional statement as he's proclaiming fulfillment, is then begin, is going to begin to critique idolatry, immorality, and injustice. Again, Jesus doesn't lower the standard of the kingdom citizen. He raises it. That's tough. But by grace, we can see this. Quickly, let's go on a journey. We've got to go on a journey, right? This is a good time. Everybody see this? Remember it? No excuses here? Be gracious when someone shows up at 10.55 next week. Show kindness. Come on in for the last song in fellowship, brother or sister, right? Don't be like, I know where you stand with the Lord. Don't ever do that. We talked about that last week, moms. But be gracious, okay? But let's go on a journey real quick. Let's go anywhere you want, but Silicon Valley. Be there in your mind. Outside of the U.S., let's say it that way. And then let's come back quickly. How many of you, we could make a lot of money if we wanted to, chose your ethnicity when you were born? Good, we're not lying in church. This is amazing. It's good. None of, none of us. We showed up. Some of us didn't even know about ethnicity until maybe school, right? Maybe earlier. So none of us. How many of you, and this is a hot button topic, I don't want to go there, stay with me. How many of you chose your gender when you were born? None of you. None of you. How many of you chose what part of the region, what what part of earth you were born, so you could know specific custom standards of religion? None of you. I didn't either. In the way, I want us to use that metaphor when we hear Jesus fulfilling the Law and the Prophets. Jesus coming to fulfill in the law and the prophets redefines everything for humanity. So now, being a kingdom citizen is different than being a Jewish person or a Hebrew in the Old Testament because being a Hebrew, believe it or not, good or bad, was defined by your ethnicity in the Old Testament. If you had the ability to be a male and be circumcised, you got more points. That's what I meant about gender, right? And if you observed the Torah, you were born in certain regions of the nation... You were in. That was the thought. But what Jesus has done in fulfilling the law and the prophets, he now says the kingdom is received by faith and repentance. Every gender, every ethnicity, every belief and culture system has been afforded the grace to receive the gospel. What else do we hold true? Baptist church? Baptism. If you want to get baptized, come see us. It's amazing. Even if you have physical limitations, we'll baptize you. We'll make it work. We've done it before. But the point is, maybe in place of circumcision, metaphorically, baptism is offered, and it's 
free to all by the blood of Christ. And then the Torah, the Old Testament, those who are born in an observing province, we'll say it that way because there's a lot of bad provinces or we'll call them tribes in the Old Testament. That's been replaced what I believe to be the teachings of Christ, namely the Sermon on the Mount because that's what he's saying. In my fulfilling, obey what I'm about to say. These three things are available to all nationalities, nationalities, all genders, and all cultures. It's called the gospel. That's what he's done when he's fulfilled. So here's our takeaway. In Jesus' fulfillment of the law and prophets, you and I as Christians, if you believe, have a new goal. It is a kingdom-minded goal. It isn't limited to time and space on a planet spinning around the sun, but it's kingdom-minded. I don't want to hurt anybody or offend anybody, but our primary goal is not to go out and change the world. Do you understand that? It's not. Our primary goal, as Dave was a couple weeks ago, is not to go out and say, I have salt. (laughs) You're dying. Here's my salt. It's not to go out with a three million lumen flashlight and go, I have light, you're in the dark, let me show you how light and dark. That's not our primary goal. That becomes our primary goal if we don't see biblically what Jesus has done by fulfilling the law and the prophets, right? Because if we just think it's only a transaction, it's only a penalty for sin and dying and all this stuff, I'm righteous now, sometimes we get the mindset of I can be a little lazy and I can sure point out other people's need for the transaction. If you haven't been there, praise God, you're one of the few. It's rather our new goal is to be the alternative to every culture, to every racial bias, to every I'll say it this way, gender squabble. To be the alternative. To be salt and light. Not to pour salt and light, to be. To interact, to engage, to love. When Dave was sharing his, not to put Dave up, but that's salt and light. I showed up and I was used. And then he gets to drive home going, oh, did I do this? He doesn't have to do that. He goes, God, it's in your hands. I'm good. So in Jesus fulfilling, he's given us the power by his death and resurrection and the example to be the alternative. And ultimately the alternative to this world, to every empire, to every culture, to every political scheme, to every work of the enemy is to worship God correctly. We try and do that. And what? Treat neighbor as who? Self, love. That's the alternative. Ultimately, at the end of the sermon, we're called to bear good what? Fruit. Shameless plug. You guys see it? 10 a.m. next week. Reset the clock. Almost there. You and I as believers, as the redeemed community, are called to bear good fruit. What the law and the prophets couldn't accomplish completely unto salvation, nor be the prime example, Jesus came to do, and he gave us an example to live like me, and obey my teaching, again, namely, supremely, 
the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to go through it, and we'll see what the Lord has to say. Jesus, in fulfilling the law and the prophets, did not, I'm going to say it again because we're here, intend to change the world through political means. You ever get that? It's hard, right? Jesus did not try to legislate righteousness or justice. Do you get that? I like to do that. Me, I do. You know who were expert at that in Jesus' day? Who legislated justice and righteousness? They had a capital name, starts with a P. The Pharisees. That wasn't Jesus' goal in fulfilling the law and the prophets. Jesus changes us and then in effect, in effect calls us to be the alternative by giving us the Holy Spirit and training us to follow him. That's it. That's discipleship. What is discipleship? Ultimately receiving the Holy Spirit, Lord willing, and then obeying Jesus and passing that example on. In the Old Testament, the law and the prophets wrote on parchment and stone, but in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, Jesus fulfilled this by giving the law and it is written on your where? Heart by the Spirit. What is the fruit of this fulfillment, this new mission, this alternative? You know it, church, say it with me. The fruit of this as we're being transformed, love, joy, patience, peace, out of order, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such these there is no what? Law, because it's been what? Fulfilled. And that's the mission. Be the alternative, church. We're going to go through this sermon, Jesus says, to show you how to be the alternative. And ultimately, when your anger is quenched with God's forgiveness, you become a loving agent ready to forgive and minister to. If you are angry and it's steeped in there, come to Jesus and ask him to take that. Because what happens, there's a saying in counseling, hurting people do what to people? Hurt people, we all know that but in the gospel, in the beauty of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control are given by the power of grace and the Holy Spirit. Receive, church. I'll repeat it one more time. The primary purpose of the law and the prophets was to produce a just and worshiping society that others could say, yeah, there's preservation going on there like salt. Yeah, this is a dark place and there's light. I gotta go check out light. Ultimately, is the light us? No, we are mirrors reflecting whose light? Jesus Christ. But that's how we become an alternative to what's going on out there. What the law and the prophets could not do alone, God accomplished by sending Jesus, giving us his spirit, and giving us the capacity to be salt, light, hope, peace, joy, patience. This is the transitional statement, and then we get into the nitty-gritty church. Have you ever had anger issues? Come next Sunday. Jesus talks about anger. You ever dealt with bad thoughts? Come for the two Sundays after that. Jesus deals with it. You ever deal with lying? It's a struggle? Let's see what the Lord has to say. You ever deal with divorce? Christ has encouraging and whole words to you who deal with that pain and shame. You ever deal with loss, tragic loss? The word of God himself beckons to us who've all dealt with that. 
and says, come to me. That's where we're going. But I really wanted us to hear this fulfillment. (laughs) Jesus fulfilled. He gave us the Holy Spirit and he says, follow. Be the church that deals with their anger properly is the new alternative. Who wants to do that? Be the church that deals with difficult times in grace and humility. Oh! Be the church that gives liberally to those who need it without asking questions. You ever do that? I'll confess, I've done that. I gave to someone earlier this week, and this is my problem, so I'll share it to you. And I saw her in the same restaurant as me ordering lots of food, and I had a judgmental thought at first. The Holy Spirit just said, stop. That's above your what? Pay grade to think like that. And so I quietly said, yes, whatever. But this is amazing. We have a chance to be an alternative to this community, this nation, and this world, and we want to walk in that. Let me pray, and we'll close with one song. Please remember my sign, our sign, right? 10 a.m. next week. I should have done this. That would have been really smart, huh? (laughs) Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the rest of our time. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for sending Jesus to fulfill what was always intended, forgiveness and worship, and to commission us to go and bear good fruit. Holy Spirit, come. Give us opportunities this week. Remind us and build good fruit in these people and myself. Build joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control. And let us rejoice in that and not be burdened by what other people are thinking, but let us know that there is no law against those because Christ came and fulfilled. Be honored in this last song. In Jesus' name, amen.